All right. Um, am I talking loud enough for everybody in the back? Great. Thank, thanks for having me. Uh, so yeah, last time I was here was sometime in November, maybe. Um, so yeah, you're, it's great to see you guys. Uh, I'm the last person that gets to talk to you before Easter. Um, quick, quick show of hands. I'm kind of curious who, who's, uh, um, who here is married? Yes, great. Uh, and who uh, who's planning on coming into the church this Easter? Yeah, 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 yeah. So cool, great. Uh, yeah, I'm a convert and I'm married, uh, so uh, there's those touch points. That's great. Um, yeah, so um, you guys have this handout that that I I printed out for you. There's no way, no way we'll we'll be able to get through it all. Um, so um, it's there. Uh, because I want you to feel like you can enter into the mystery, um, especially going into Holy Week. Um, Holy Week, starting Sunday, all the way through Triduum, right, through Easter. Uh, it's a special week, and it's actually really fitting that uh, the last part that you'd get to, to hear about is about the sacrament of marriage. And just not just the sacrament of marriage, which we'll talk mostly about, um, but marriage itself, and, and what I mean by that is uh, the marriage of Christ uh, to the church. So um, I just want to read something to you really quick as, as a, that we'll kind of visit at the very end. So it's St. Paul writing to the Ephesians, and at the end of the fifth chapter, this is what he says. For this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife and the two shall become one flesh. This is a great mystery, and I mean in reference to Christ and the church. So um, that, that word great mystery, uh, if you literally translate it, it means like mega mystery. So Paul is saying um, this icon uh, that we have in marriage that we were given in the very beginning, um, and that was, you know, tarnished by sin, and that was brought back through the law, through grace, into a sacrament. Um, that is a great mystery, and Paul will go on uh, to talk about, I mean this into to Christ and the church. And so the sacrament of marriage um, is this, it's this really mysterious, really mysterious sacrament, because um it, it's um, well, it's what we'll kind of get into, um, but it's particularly relevant uh, going into Holy Week because uh, it's it's the image with which we see Christ giving up his life on the cross um, to be a gift, uh, to be a gift for us um, <clears throat> on the cross. Um, and uh, even in, in the Eastern Church, uh, they they call Holy Week the week of the bridegroom. Um, so it's this preparation, right? There's the story of um, the anointing of Jesus uh, with the the nard, like super funny word. This like really expensive, beautiful smelling oil uh, that Jesus says in the Gospels. He says this woman will be remembered uh, essentially forever. Like and this story is told in the Gospels, um, and and why? It's because it's Jesus preparing. Uh, for this total gift of self, where he would leave absolutely nothing aside uh, 
um, for us um, in this really intimate exchange that we get to we get to receive in the Eucharist. Um, so there's all of that uh, that's wrapped up in this mystery that we have absolutely no time to spend to. But I wanted to make sure that I got to lead with that. So that if you if you feel like, OK, I can I can look at some of this stuff <clears throat> maybe during Holy Week, um, maybe just this week, uh, kind of as a way um, to reflect on what is the real meaning of marriage in the world. Right. And um, yeah, Father. Um, Father talked about like uh, right the different orders, right? There's the lay order uh, that um, we we are all in. Everyone here except one. There's only one one who's not. He's sitting in the way back by himself, Father. Uh, but we're in this this lay, right? The the lay state, which um, and, and even in marriage, like uh, there's this this um, this goal of sanctifying the temporal order uh, is is how it's said. So the things that are temporary. Uh, ordinary. Um, and um, I think it's really cool uh, just listening to you talk about how a priest, um, like a pontifex, right, this bridge builder, almost like this, uh, yeah, building this bridge between heaven and earth, like a way for us to get to heaven. Um, priests allow that. Um, and in some way, um, as lay, we, and in marriage too, like we have these, we have these abilities and we have these powers. Uh, <clears throat> Uh, to take what is temporal and make it holy um, and, 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 all, and all the things. Um, and uh, it's just there's a real there's a real power and a real weight that's in that. And so particularly in marriage, um, we're going to we're going to kind of fly through paragraph 1602 to 1652 in the catechism. And that's that's kind of the guide for all this stuff. And there's some things at the end. Um, so we'll start we'll start with this uh, marriage in God's plan, uh, paragraph 1602. Sacred scripture begins with the creation of man and woman in the image and likeness of God and concludes with a vision of the wedding feast of the lamb. Scripture speaks throughout of marriage and its mystery, its institution, the meaning God has given it, its origin, its end, its various realizations throughout history and all the difficulties arising from sin and its renewal in the Lord uh, and the new covenant in Christ and the church. <clears throat> so that paragraph is, is kind of how the catechism actually will just draw the rest of itself out uh, in all these paragraphs. But it's really neat, right? So in the beginning, there was a marriage, right, of Adam and Eve. And our end, the wedding feast of the, uh, of the Lamb, like we're called to a marriage. And we see that at the very end of the Bible. And then right in the middle of the Bible, right, is the song of songs, right? So, and there's a there's a marriage at the beginning, a marriage at the end, a marriage right in the middle, and that's what God is calling us to. Um, this really beautiful and deep intimacy, uh, and that's in a lot of ways where, um, yeah, where this um, not just the power of marriage, but its effect on the world can be when we relate it, we relate it to God. Um, so. I'm a big fan of the theology of the body, uh, and we'll kind of share a little bit about that. But um, who who doesn't know what the theology of the body is? This is pretty good. Just raise your hand, Father. Who who really knows? Yeah, who really knows? Yeah, yeah. Um, John Paul II, you know, uh, authored it. Um, is a series of 
basically five years of talks, Wednesday's audiences. It's it's commonly thought of as like the church's teaching on sex and marriage, which is is sort of incomplete. That that's kind of true. Um, but even more so, it's 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 um what does it mean to be human? And and we're just sharing a couple things that John Paul will talk about. Um, he talks about this phrase, the spousal meaning of the body. Um, and I think another helpful way to think about that, um, if you ever would read some of his stuff, you know, or, or read about the theology of the body, um, maybe a more helpful way to think about that is just the power to be a gift. That's really what it means. This power to, to be like Christ. Um, uh, and that's even more so like just the power to be like Jesus and drawing it even kind of further, like the, a Christian, like the name Christian means a little Christ, right? So this power to be a gift, this kind of spousal meaning that John Paul will draw out that we see in the sacrament of marriage is just a power. It, it's an ability. Um, it's an ability to be like Christ. And so he gives us marriage uh, as kind of this normal way to do that. Um John Paul will say, he'll say this, uh, it's sort of his kind of flagship quote, uh, and it's almost kind of right in the middle of your, your front, front page. The body, and in fact, and only the body is capable of making visible what is invisible, the spiritual and the divine. <clears throat> it's been created to transfer into the visible reality of the world, the mystery hidden from eternity in God, and thus to be a sign of it. Um, what is that? really mean uh it's kind of what i said this this um that maybe contrary to this thought we we don't have to go out there to to be holy we don't have to seek um something that's unrelated to real life unrelated to our our real experience in the body um in the material world like we're called as lay and particularly through the sacrament of marriage um to sanctify these things and to be able to to bring them to God and not to shy away from them. Um, and so um, so that's some about the theology of the body. And I'm looking at my watch thinking, gosh, man, we can't cover enough. We can't cover enough. Um, so I just want to bring you through a little bit of uh, yeah, what the church kind of teaches us of what happened, right? What happened um, and uh, it to kind of go from there. So the very bottom uh, the very bottom, catechism continued, right? The order of creation. The intimate community of life and love which constitutes the married state. It was established by God, the creator, endowed him with its own proper laws. God himself is the author of marriage. <clears throat> the vocation of marriage is written in the very nature of man and woman as they came from the hand of the creator. So really cool to think. Um, to know if you didn't know this. Um, so the human body, you have all these systems, you have all these systems in your body. You have a muscular system, you have a nervous system, you have a digestive system, you know, you have an integumentary skin system, uh, and then you have a generative system, right? Um, all of the systems <clears throat> work perfectly fine by themselves, except one. There's only one. And you guys know exactly which system that is, right? You you were literally, literally, God literally made man and woman in the image of God so that they could come together. That's how it's always been. 
man was made for woman and woman was made for man <clears throat> with this ability to generate new life, uh, this possibility. And in the material world, uh, that looks like this like image of God, this this uh, imago Dei, right? So we get to in the world portray this this love between the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, which is just called this right like life giving love. This love between the Father and the Son is the Holy Spirit, which, which you've probably heard. Uh, but but God made it so that in the temporal order um, and 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 raised to a sacrament um, in marriage. Uh, that um, yeah, that that love of God would be seen in just the normal way of building up the church and the body of Christ is beautiful. Um, God Himself is the author of marriage, um, really special. So that's the order of creation. Um, you can flip your pages if you're following along. So in paragraph sixteen oh four. God who created man out of love also calls him to love the fundamental and innate vocation of every human being. Uh, For man is created in the image and likeness of God who is himself love. Since God created him, man and woman, their mutual love becomes an image of the absolute and unfailing love with which God loves man. It is good, very good in the creator's eyes. And uh, and God blessed them and God said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it. That was the very first commandment to humanity. So that was the beginning. And then uh, just a great, great wording of the catechism, right? Uh, under the regime of sin, I think of like the Nazi regime, regime right? Uh, this uh, kind of like attempted way to like order life in a, in a, in a horrible way, like this regime of sin. Um, there was a fall and there was a disorder <clears throat> and there's this uh, there's so many different things that uh, <clears throat> got in the way of what was originally true and good and beautiful and perfect, um, an image of God and also the likeness of God. And so it said that right in the original fall, we retained the image of God um, and we still have that right. Our uh, the human person, man and woman, we, we still retain that and um, but we lost <clears throat> lost the likeness. The likeness is what God is uh, uh, giving us, like the law and the sacraments to reobtain, to be more and more like God. Um, but according to faith, the disorder we notice so painfully, it doesn't stem from the nature of men and women, nor from the nature of their relations, but from sin. And that's key um, <clears throat> from uh, from a separation from God. Um, and so although this order of creation persists, it's disturbed. There's there's uh, there's issues, right? Um, and the catechism will say that without his help, man and woman cannot achieve the union of their lives for which God created them in the beginning. I think maybe the best way to think about that, there's a book written by Fulton Sheen called Three to Get Married. Um, has anyone ever read it, Three to Get Married? Um, it's very good. We started on our honeymoon and I don't think we finished it. Uh, yeah, like a lot of books. I don't know. How many books do you have that, you know, you're about 30 or 40 or 50 pages in and pick them up later. Um, but this reality that um, you're not made to go it alone uh, in the marriage, right? 
Um, and that's, in some ways, the church will kind of represent that in these two sacraments at service of communion, right? Priesthood and married life. They're, they're, they're bundled together um, at their sacraments, not of just like service of duty, of action, of um, being a servant, but they're at the service of common union, of communion. Um, and I, yeah, I would just love to keep drawing on that analogy of the bridge, like the visual aid of the bridge. Um, those sacraments are called, you know, they're called to be together um, at the service of communion of the whole faithful, the whole body of Christ uh, for the sake of what St. Paul says, right? This mega mystery, this great mystery, um, this guiding towards our ultimate destiny, which, yeah, heaven. So under the pedagogy of the law, um, <clears throat> right? There's uh, there's laws, there's ways with which like we should act that the law, that the that the church will give us um, and in the Lord, uh, which we're going to jump kind of we're going to skip through. Um, and we're going to go to the third page, um, the celebration of marriage. So so, yeah, Father Walmart was talking a little bit about um, the Latin rites, right, of, of becoming a deacon, becoming a priest, becoming a bishop. Um, this authority, right, um, that you must have the hands of of someone in authority over you, and that gets passed on, and that, um, yeah, that has gone on, right, since the beginning of the church. Um, according to the Latin tradition, uh, this is really cool, um, uh, the spouses um, are the ministers of the sacrament. So when you become married, specifically in a Catholic marriage, um, you know, like in all the other sacraments, um, sacraments of anointing, right? Uh, confession, the Eucharist, right? There is a minister of the sacrament and it's, it's, it's pretty much usually, it's usually the priest. Um, but in the sacrament of marriage, uh, you're the minister. Um, even on the wedding day, right? Uh, the priest helps, <clears throat> um, facilitate that, but the spouses are actually the ministers of the sacrament, which is kind of wild to think about and i'm bringing it as a as an important point because within the sacrament there's a there's a real like a real power uh, a, a real ability that comes through sacramental grace uh, that god wants like wants to give you wants you to use um in the temporal orders of the day uh in in the ordinary ways of life in 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 sanctifying um, every every part of every day um, and being able to offer them back to God. The spouses as ministers of Christ's grace mutually confer upon each other the sacrament of matrimony. It's beautiful. It happens in its fullness you know, in in the in the marital act and in, in that, but but in and beyond that in every part of life. Um, so we'll jump down to the bottom, the effects of the sacrament of matrimony. Um, from a valid marriage arises a bond between the spouses by which its very nature is perpetual and exclusive. Therefore, in a Christian marriage, the spouses are strengthened and as it were consecrated for the duties and the dignity of their states by a special sacrament. Kind of what I was just saying. Um, <clears throat> the consent by which the spouses mutually give and receive from another is sealed by God himself. A way that I was uh, told, we were told the night before a wedding that I, I love just the analogy 
uh, the priest was there and he did this exact thing. He says, you guys, tomorrow, your souls are going to become knit into one by the Holy Spirit. And that's only broken by death. Beautiful. You're, they're sealed by God himself. From their covenant arises an institution confirmed by divine law, even in the eyes of society. This covenant is integrated into God's covenant with man. Authentic married love is caught up in divine love. So this means that in that sacrament, right, you really are an icon of God's love to the rest of the world. Um, and Christ is the source of this grace. Christ is, in, is allowing us to enter into this mystery. Um, all right, we'll keep moving. Fourth page. Okay, I just want to read you these two quotes. And I guess I would say, <clears throat> so the church would say, like in their teaching in these paragraphs, 1644, 1645, 1646, 52, this unity, indissolubility, this fidelity of conjugal love, this openness to children, openness to fertility, these things that are re required, um, required of you in marriage. Um, ultimately is because it makes you more like Christ. It makes you more a self-gift. Um, and as an icon of the rest of the world, through the power of the sacrament, the sacrament of marriage, marriage teaches the rest of the world what the love of God looks like tangibly in real life. Um, and we could go on in, 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 in sharing that and thinking about like, yeah, all the, all the holy marriages that maybe you have seen and how they, they draw you to deeper virtue, right? They draw you to like being inspired, right? Um, and even the effect of, of a lack of that. Um, but these, these requirements, they're, they're goods and requirements for that sake because they have, they have such an integral meaning of all of humanity. And, and this one fact, right, that husband and wife promise each other you are good. I will never leave you. I will always be there for you. Always. Like that's a part of the, you know, not with those words, but those are a part of your vows, right? And in many ways, those are the words of Christ. Those are the words of Christ. Christ crucified. He's nailed to the cross. He's not going anywhere. And he's there joyfully on purpose, not by accident, saying the same exact thing. Like, I will never leave you. I will always be here, here for you. I'm a total self-gift. So these things that are hard, that are goods, um, that are sometimes hard, that are considered requirements in the sacrament of matrimony or for that sake, they make us more like Christ. They make us, uh, they give us the ability, uh, this power to be a gift, right? This spousal meaning of the body. Um, let me read you this quote by St. John Chrysostom, almost at the bottom of this page. Um, it's just great. Um, something to maybe pray with if you're married with your spouse. It's beautiful. I have taken you in my arms and I love you and I prefer you to my life itself. For the present life is nothing. And my most ardent dream is to spend it with you in such a way that we may be assured of not being separated in the life reserved for us. I place your love above all things, and nothing would be more bitter or painful to me than to be of a different mind than you. 
this this uh, just beautiful unity in distinction of husband and wife. Um, this uh, yeah, this this the total oneness, right? Uh, that we're called to in marriage that Christ gives us the grace for, um, not just right for the world to see, but for us. Um, okay. And the very last page, there's a lot of stuff on Familiaris Consortio, which is a document that John Paul wrote in 1984, I think, maybe 1981. Um, I would just, I would just take some time to read this. Um, uh, it's a really good comparison of, of, um, yeah, Jesus on the cross is the entire plan of marriage revealed. That's the first sentence there. Um, as you're entering into Holy Week, um, maybe just kind of like drawing in on some of those mysteries and, um, uh, yeah, just really praying with that. Um, I, like I said, I didn't have a lot of time, so that's it. Uh, and like cutting it off and, uh, changing the channel. Um, are there any questions after, after all that is kind of heady and mysterious, um, so if you want, right, you can connect maybe after or hang around. Um, and I'm a parishioner, so you can always come find me and say, hey, what was that thing you said about the theology of the body? And I'll talk your ear off for 20 minutes, um, whatever. Um, <clears throat> and I, I may have mentioned before to my wife and I, um, we help operate a, a ministry called the Missionaries of the Holy Spirit and the Family. Um, and there's just a lot of neat things that we get to share. It's basically, you know, like, what does a church say about marriage and family? What does that mean lived out concretely? So I share that more that um, if you remember anything and you're like, yeah, what? Yeah, how do I get some more info about, about all this stuff? Um, maybe that'll spark something and you could touch base with us uh, or Father Walmart. He knows enough about it too. So um, yeah, that's it. You guys should get ready for everything else. The good stuff. Yeah, Chance and Laura have graciously invited me to take part in that, and it's awesome. Just the uh, the connection between holy orders and holy matrimony. Uh, there's a reason those two are taken together as you know, kind of one set of sacraments, and why they close out the seven sacraments. Um, we'll follow the tradition of the medieval Catholic schools of lexio brevis, which means short lecture for the last day, um, although we definitely need it a lot longer, you know, maybe we'll plan for next year. But um, I think it's good that, you know, we, we do leave a little open for especially these two, because these are the sacraments of our vocation, what we're called to. And that's something that's only discovered as you live it, as you go out and experience it as well. So uh, I'll pray certainly for all of you to discover that inner call uh, that God has for each and every one of you. So let's end it in a prayer. I'm going to dismiss um, anyone here um, as a listener. Yes, um, you can go. Be free. Have a great Holy Week. Join us for Holy Thursday, Good Friday, Easter Vigil, if you can. Um, they are amazing liturgies of the church that just get you right in to what Jesus does for us. Um, I'm going to ask all those that are planning to come to the church to stay for a few moments. Uh, we'll go, Mark and I will uh, go through. Kind of some practicals of what Holy Week starts this Sunday, believe it or not, uh, is going to look like for us. So let us pray. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, 
Amen. Heavenly Father, you sent your Son into the world, for you so loved the world. did not wish the world to perish, but to live in you. We thank you for this gift of your Son that you have provided for us in your church, the gift of teaching that all those who have presented have given uh, to all those ready to receive. So we just ask that you bless and consecrate us in the truth that we have received tonight and throughout this year, that we may be made holy as you are holy, set apart for mission, become your sons and daughters. We ask all this through Christ our Lord. Amen. Lord be with you. May Almighty God bless you, the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Go in peace.